3: Don't ask me why this dawned on me a couple hours ago. I honestly have no idea. Except that every now and then, maybe once a week, I check the date. I don't mean the day. I'm always either behind or ahead when it comes to the day. But I, for some reason, was thinking about the date. As in the 12th of October. Now, maybe it's because my brother and sister-in-law had their anniversary today. And so I was remembering. And, oh, yes, I already texted them. We're good. But it dawned on me, do you know what massive event comes up in exactly four months on the 12th of February? This time, four months from now, we'll be talking about Super Bowl 57. It's exactly four months to the Super Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. And so whether you think four months is a long time or you think it's not enough time, just be sure you savor the football (laughs) because four months, that's it. Now there's a lot of football to be played in the next four months, but I don't know how I feel about that. We're going to cram so much into the next four months. Think about it though. My neighborhood, and this does not include me, already looks like a haunted house. Outside, there there are so many uh, Halloween decorations. I, I do not understand people, but if you love to decorate your entire yard for Halloween, I mean, I don't really do that for Christmas either. So I'm just not a big decor outside person. But man alive, in this day and age, when electricity costs as much as it did or as it does, there's no way that I would be spending that much money to decorate outside. And of course, with Halloween, you can't have the decorations lit up during the daytime because that defeats the whole point. Halloween is a nighttime event. You can't be... It can't be witching hour during the daytime. So all that electricity, it's all I could think. I know, I'm such a party pooper. And totally boring. I do have little pumpkins around my house, though. (laughs) And I have pretty fall flowers. So, see, I do have some things, and I planted baby grass seed. None of that is really Halloween-themed, but it's not as though my house outdoors is not getting any attention. All that to say, we've got Halloween. Then we've got a relatively quick turnaround to Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, obviously New Year's, not to jump the gun, but four months will go quickly. On the sports horizon... We've already seen the start of the NHL season and the NBA will follow in mere days. College football, all the conference battles, but of course the playoff rankings, the first set of playoff rankings will come out this month. The World Cup is only a few weeks away. I, in my head hear the I believe... <laughs> I'm not going to do it because <laughs> I actually don't believe. I want to believe, but I don't know if I do believe. Then, of course, there's the NFL. All sandwiched around Major League Baseball, which is right now the team or the sport, excuse me, that's in its playoff month, its playoff run. There's a lot happening, both personally and professionally in my world. And Those four months will fly. But exactly four months from right now, we'll be talking about a Super Bowl champion. I have been saving this particular list. I do love lists. Not ranking so much, but lists. Because I think they provide context and they're fun. Do you know... This is not really a nerd alert because you probably could figure it out. In fact, if I was going to be mean, I would ask Producer Jay to answer this question. Or maybe I will. Maybe he already knows. Only four teams have reached the playoffs each of the last three years in the NFL. Do you know who they are? There's only four. Isn't that amazing? First of all, isn't that amazing that only four of 32 teams have reached the playoffs Three straight years. Wow. That's yeah. how much it turns over. And we tell you roughly half the NFL postseason bracket is completely new teams every year. So if you want to, you can take a stab. But I don't want to put you on the spot because I know how much you love that.
4: I think I might be able to get two. All uh right. the Packers.
3: Fifty percent's okay. Yes, Packers.
4: The Buccaneers.
3: No, not no, the Bucks. Because the Bucs. before Tom Brady they Wait.
4: What is it? The last three years? The last three years. Oh okay. This is his third season uh, with the right, Bucks, right? right? Yeah. Uh, the Packers. This is tough. The Chiefs. Yes, the Chiefs. And I want to say the Bills, but I feel like yes, yeah, the okay. Bills. That's nice.
3: three. Can you name the fourth?
4: Can I name the fourth?
3: It's also from the AFC. Ravens. No, they didn't. They miss it last year. Oh yeah, they did. I thought miss they it last fell year. off You're the right. map last year. They had a
4: horrible end of the season. Yeah. Oh man, I want to say Steelers, but they didn't make no. it. Right? They had that bad season.
3: Weren't they? Didn't they have the year where they were eight and eight? Yeah,
4: that's when Ben hurt. When Roethlisberger, when Roethlisberger hurt. was hurt. I'm blank on the last one. Give it to me.
3: It was last year's number one seed. The Titans. Yes. Got it. So three teams from the AFC, one team from the NFC. But that's crazy enough. Only one team from the NFC has made the playoffs each of the last three years. We're not talking about ten years, even five years. We're talking about three years. Only the Packers have made the playoffs. The last three years out of the NFC.
5: People are coming here to play with me.
3: Oh, for heaven's sake. You just ruined all of that. So our nerd alert on this four-month warning (laughs) until the Super Bowl is that there are only four teams that have made the playoffs the last three years in a row, which just blows me away. But I've been saving that because I think it really does underscore A, how much turnover, B, how competitive, and C, the fact that you think you know, but you don't know. We have no idea what's going to happen in the next four months. And that's exactly the way I like it. Four months from tonight, baby. February 12th. Be there. Be square. No one says that. I got you. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. So I'd love to connect with you on Twitter. I mean, I'd love to connect with you on Twitter if you're not a big fat jerk. Uh, so you can find me there, A Law Radio, on our Facebook page, too, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. I forgot to mention this and I didn't share the tweet. But, you know, on your anniversary of joining Twitter every year, they, they offer you a post that you can then retweet or quote tweet. It happened earlier this month. I've now been a Twitter user, for better or for worse, usually against my better judgment and against my will, for 11 years. What is wrong with me? There's, there's, do you know how many hours of my life I've wasted on this social media site?
4: That's a lot of Twitter. 11 years oh. worth of Twitter. My goodness. it's yeah. a lifetime.
3: When did It feels like it. When did you join Twitter? Do you remember?
4: I think it was a little longer than that, honestly. 2009, I want to say. Well, see. Good. I'm glad
3: you were on it before me. Uh, our Facebook page, as in our show Facebook page, it's not that old. It actually was started by producer number three here. It wasn't started. Yeah. It wasn't started by either of the Toms. It was started by Ant. Uh, For those of you who remember, Anthony used to be, it was a, it was a brief stint. It was right before I jumped into the five night a week, as opposed to what I was doing, which was the three weekend nights. So he's the one that created our Facebook page. And so it's, it was born in 2014, Me on Facebook. I very rarely even look at my Facebook page anymore. In fact, I spend more time on Jay's Facebook page. Well, not his page, but I spend more time on Jay's Facebook account than mine because that's the only way I can access our show page. But now it feels like it's mine.
4: I mean, you could have it honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Somehow, I've become the only one who has control of the After Hours Facebook page through my name. But yeah, I have no idea either.
3: Apparently, they don't recognize the fact that my name, Amy Lawrence, matches the name on the page. It doesn't matter. It doesn't check out. It's irrelevant. Uh, how often do you actually look at your own Facebook page?
4: Oh, gosh. And not in a long time, honestly. I'm sorry you're stuck really looking at our show Facebook page. Yeah, I look and at And even that, that
3: but... you don't look at very
4: much. I do. I check it out. More when I'm here. Do you? But...
3: Do you see all the crazy bots that we've had lately?
4: Yeah, I don't know where those are coming from. You we can't either. help that.
3: It's the meta algorithm. Something about when a particular post hits the mainstream or a different mainstream, it's on a different highway. I have no idea. I just know that every now and then we get one particular post that not only gets a I mean gets a ton of likes, way more likes than are normal, which is fine, but it's because there's so many bots on it and I have to go and block them all. And they're everything from my wife just left me after 10 <laughs> years, but this therapy helped me on a
4: post about josh allen right
3: or it's people who are not writing in english which is fine but you can tell that they're i mean they're bots they're from pakistan and like the emojis they're using and um or there's others that are trying to sell things and so yeah it becomes this one particular post this week i i'm not joking i've spent hours getting rid of the bots
4: Yeah, and the weird thing was that was the post where we actually didn't even use any hashtags or words like that. No, don't know what happened. Catch somewhere else. Meta's stupid. It is. It's the
3: devil. Uh, On Twitter, though, we it's porn bots. I, I can't even tell you. I'm
4: those. Those are there. I
3: haven't counted lately, but I can promise you that I have blocked. 5,000 accounts on Twitter easily. Now, some of them are porn bots. Some of them are just big, fat jerks. Um, I have very specific rules for my Twitter. If it's your God-given right to be an ass, well, it's my God-given right to block you. Um, Anyway, so yeah, I'm pretty sure that over the course of the last however many years, so now 11 years on Twitter, and what did I say, like eight years on Facebook? Yeah. I've blocked thousands of accounts.
4: Sounds about right.
3: But like Elon Musk, I believe most of them are fake.
4: (laughs) Yeah. And that
3: these social media numbers are largely inflated.
4: <laughs> we got to do something. To, not like us, me, and you, but like just, you know, the country or the world or Elon Musk to get rid of these bots. They're, who need like, why are they here? I don't What's know. What's the point? Do you think about them a lot? I mean, I don't. But when every time I go <laughs> to a comment section or just want to see like a general human reaction to something, it's no. just, oh, buy this. Like, get the hell out of here.
3: Jay, I hate to break it to you. Twitter is not a good representation of human reaction.
4: Thanks. <laughs> Even just, you know, a real human would be nice. Yeah,
3: just a real human. That's the part about social media. It's not social. It's actually the opposite of social. And it's definitely not media. (laughs) Unless you don't care if there's any truth in your media. just
4: robots (laughs) trying to solicit on
3: our page. But at least they're not porn on Facebook. I, I guess there's that. So, on that note... Beware if you find us on Twitter. (laughs) Our show account is After Hours CBS and then our Facebook page, too, and our phone number, 855-212-4227. It's 855-212-4CBS. Man, there's a lot to get to. And I actually have some fun stuff that is off the beaten path. So we have a a fantastic sad sap of the week. You're going to love this. Actually, two of them, so that's all I'm going to say. I haven't even told producer Jay this because I can't wait for his reaction on the air. And emojis, I'll explain. It's, it's, it's funny, actually. And, and maybe there's a line of demarcation uh, for, for ages and generations based on emojis, though I'm not sure I believe the science. <laughs> of course, we're going to dive into uh, all that you need to know. Well, as much as I can get to, as much as I can get to that you need to know for week number six, but here's a tidbit. Survivor Islands, there's two of them. We have a Survivor Island archipelago. Did you know that uh, we're rich here? We can acquire islands. <laughs> uh, we have Isla Nublar and Alcatraz. And how many people are left on Isla Nublar?
4: Two. Just two.
3: Two. two. Wow, it's a lonely island. You better watch out for those dinosaurs. They're hungry, and there's only two of you.
4: Yeah, they're out there.
3: Yeah. On Alcatraz, there are only, what did I say? Three. Three left?
4: Are we, are you sure? Pretty sure you told me three, because we're down to the final five. I remember writing that.
3: Okay. So, all right. However the, the the it divides up, we're down to five people. I've never made it past week six, ever. So, weeks, I have to survive this week because all of the work all of the effort will be for naught. It's not that I need to win. I right. do like winning, but I don't really care about that as much as just getting past week 6.
4: Yeah, it's not even about winning the whole thing at no, this point. It's just-, just
3: about surviving past week 6.
4: I think you could do it.
3: Do you? You I think do. I can do it? I do. Just by, my options are getting limited now. So what do we talk about? I'm waffling back and forth between the Buccaneers Who are on the road at Pittsburgh. But you know what? I get nervous going to that same well. I just picked against Pittsburgh last week. Although the Bills did slaughter them. But I I just picked against Pittsburgh. You know what? This is what happens with the Jets. You pick the team that's playing the Jets too many weeks in a row and you get burned.
4: Or too many years in a row like I did. Yes. Oh,
3: yeah. The Jets have knocked me out of multiple survivor pools. So that's what I'm saying. Like, do I actually want to pick the, the next team that's playing the Steelers?
4: Is this a little superstitious right now? No,
3: it's because Mike, first of all, the game's in Pittsburgh. Second of all, I don't love what the Buccaneers offense is doing. And I know their defense is really good. Third of all, they're in Pittsburgh. Wait, I already said that. Third of all, Mike Tomlin, he's a Hall of Fame coach.
4: I don't, uh. no, no, I hear you. But we looked at the matchups briefly, very briefly. Yeah. We didn't, you know, didn't dissect them that much. But that definitely stands out as the best one on paper How right about now. San
3: Francisco and Atlanta?
4: I, that was the second one I think I like. I
3: haven't picked the Niners yet,
4: but Atlanta has. You know they're they're not. What that about bad. the Browns
3: against the Patriots? No,
4: no. Nah. I we we already lost using the Browns this year. Oh, so no, we did actually. We, that, yeah, was we, we, that was our office pool. Yeah. Oh,
3: so once bitten,
4: twice shy. You're like I wouldn't trust like, them again. No, yeah. Fool me thanks, once, but Shame no on thanks. You. Fool me twice. <laughs> kicking the Browns.
3: <laughs> Let's see. Um, I don't think the Jaguars are going to lose three in a row, but man, the Colts are terrible. So I don't really know about that game. How about? Oh, how about the Vikings in Miami?
4: Yeah, I could see that. But again, see? I don't. A team I'd never generally trust is the Vikings because they're always so Jekyll and Hyde. They're week four to week. and one. I, I get it. I get it. But it hasn't been the Kirk
3: Cousins is performing quarterback sneaks.
4: Then pick the Vikings. I, I I I don't think I could do it. But huh. What
3: about the Giants? Should I pick the Giants against the Ravens?
4: Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not.
3: Um, let's see. The Bengals in New Orleans.
4: Do we know who's playing quarterback for the Saints yet?
3: We don't think it's Jameis, but it doesn't matter because Andy Dalton's actually playing well. They're yeah. not. But the problem is they have, like, everybody's injured. All the receivers are injured, it seems like.
4: Do they playing? The Bengals?
3: Except they do have Taysom Hill. Never mind not touching that. Best oh, uh, player of the week. Philly Dallas. Can Dallas actually win five in a row and do it in Philadelphia? We well, already picked Philly. Never mind. I can't oh, yeah. do that one. Um, I wouldn't touch Seattle, Arizona. Ooh, did I already pick the Rams? Oh, I you did. Crap. Because two, they're I playing think. Carolina this week. That would so be a win. Or do I go with the Chargers against the Broncos? Ooh. <laughs> What do I do? I mean, I
4: guess in that scenario, either your Broncos win a game and look good. Or All right, you to why did you have survivor? to say my
3: Broncos? I'm trying to disassociate myself. I did <laughs> sorry, not sorry. want Russell Wilson. I've been honest from the beginning. This was not, as a fan, I was not feeling it the way everyone else in Denver was.
4: It's true. It's true. Oh, goodness. I still think the Buccaneers or the Niners are the best two options.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, uh, I'm nervous because this is the week. This is the week. And then next week I'll be nervous again, too. Okay. Well, that was fun. So we're going to do a bunch of goofy stuff wrapped around baseball playoffs, which we'll get to next. We've got two even series in the National League with the American League back on tap coming up on Thursday. And then we've got NFL Week 6. Oh, it's so an important week. It's an important week. And it's four months to the Super Bowl. So just chew on that for a bit. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence
2: on CBS Sports Radio.
0: Now, get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562 314 4603 for details.
6: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else? You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
7: Two outs, nobody on, just underway. Two balls and a strike to Machado. Here's the pitch from Kershaw. Manny hammers it in the air down the left field line. If it's fair, it's gone, and it is a home run for Manny Machado homered against him in the 2020 National League Division Series, and now again in 2022. Andre's strike first, it's
6: 1-0. Three balls, one strike. And there's a high fly ball to center field. Christian going back to the wall. He looks up, and he gone! A home run! A Machado home run in the top
7: of the first, a Freddie Freeman home run in the bottom of the first. And we're
6: all even at one. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
3: Right away, there were fireworks between the Dodgers and the Padres. So everything that happened early on uh, was with the long ball. And it was really about not having guys on base when you were giving up the long ball. So both Clayton Kershaw and Hugh Darvish got hit uh, for a couple of home runs, man, the blast by Manny Machado from Clayton Kershaw. He was on the board first. And they were still tied at three in the sixth inning at Dodger Stadium.
7: Ratterall's getting hit all over the yard, but the Padres threatening. And now a ground ball into right field and a base hit. That's going to get Cronenworth home. And the Padres going to go back in front. A bounding ball through the right side. An RBI single for Profar and a 4-3 San Diego lead in the sixth.
3: It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. And thinking about our Padres fan base listening on our San Diego station, 97-3 The Fan. Uh, And so I know there are a lot of people who would love to see these Padres capitalize, not to mention considering what's happened in the San Diego sports scene over the last couple of years. The Padres have spent a lot of money. There's a lot of fans that are kind of holding on to them as the great hope. And against the Dodgers, are you kidding me? We can't get away from them. Uh, I use a stat the last couple of nights, but before game two, the Padres had lost 24 of their last 29 games against the Dodgers. They're the big bad just up the highway. Except in this one, once Dave Roberts pulled Clayton Kershaw out of the game, and he did so after five innings, Clayton had allowed three runs on three hits. He struck out six. In fact, his last two innings were one, two, three affairs. And yet he went to his bullpen after the fifth inning. Immediately... The Padres were able to get the nose out in front, and then they relied on their own pitching and defense.
7: Kim up the middle, Cronenworth around to the right. Those are your middle infielders. First pitch swinging, grab ball to second base. Cronenworth charges to second for one. Kim to first. Oh, yeah, it's in time and a double play. Robert Suarez comes into a first and third nobody out situation. He strikes out Justin Turner, and he gets an inning-ending double play off the bat of Gavin Lux. Here's the 2-2. Smith swings, loops one into center field. Grisham had him played perfectly, and he's there to make the catch at the inning. No runs, two hits, and the Dodgers leave him loaded.
3: Well, they certainly had plenty of opportunities. The home team goes 0-8 with runners in scoring position and leaves 10 men on base. And you hear Jesse Agler there on Padres Radio. Yet again, Dodgers are threatening in the eighth inning and Josh Hader comes in to begin the process of earning the save, but he had to get out of trouble in the eighth.
7: Runners lead at first and second, two down in the bottom of the eighth. Here's the 0-1 pitch. Barnes swings, hits it in the air, center field playable. Grisham drifting back a little bit towards right center and just in front of the warning track, he makes the catch and ends the inning. No runs, a hit, and the Dodgers leave a pair. Hader trying to end the game on this pitch. Three and two to Will Smith. Here it is, and a swing and a fly ball to right field straight away. Soto had him played perfectly. Backs up a couple of steps, and he makes the catch. This ball game is over. An absolute classic between the Padres and the Dodgers in game two of the division series. It is won by San Diego, 5-3, and this thing is tied 1-1, heading home to Petco Park.
3: We talked about this. The Padres haven't had a home game with their fans at Petco Park in years. So this is an opportunity for them to be able to bring this new look team in front of their home crowd at Petco Park and see if they can get their own. Dodger Stadium is a great home field advantage. See if they can get their own home field advantage. See if they can somehow create their own juju against the big bads. Just up the highway. Bob Melvin certainly helps. And I know they made some changes at the trade deadline. And it took a while before Juan Soto settled in. It took a while before they were able to find a groove. Even Josh Hader. Different pieces that they brought in. You can't just snap your fingers and have chemistry. And know that it's going to work. Even if you buy the best players or trade for the best players on the planet. So it took a while. But once the Dodgers, excuse me, once the Padres found that groove, once the Padres got comfortable, we know their bats are dangerous. And we see what they did pitching-wise against the Mets. So now going toe-to-toe with a team that has had their number for quite a while. But I've, I've said it before, and I was watching it play out on the field there in Los Angeles. The fact that these hitters... For the Padres, are not intimidated by Clayton Kershaw. It's Clayton Kershaw, for heaven's sakes. There's nothing in baseball he hasn't done. And yet, these hitters have seen him. They've faced him. They're familiar with Dodger Stadium. That place alone can be intimidating because of the, the noise, the fans, but also it's Dodger Stadium. It's iconic. And yet, they face each other so often that all of that becomes a non-factor. It's After Hours here on CBS Sports Radio. So Bob Melvin bringing that leadership at the top. Of course, a lot of experience. And he told Josh Hader this is how it was going to go.
7: He's ready to play. So, um, you know, didn't do it during the regular season. You know, kept his workload at a minimum. He saved those type of things for, for the postseason. He was all for it. He knew that, you know, any runner on and two out, he was going to be coming in for four outs and did, did what we expect him to do.
3: Exactly that, allowed a hit and a walk, also had a strikeout, but ultimately the Dodgers did not score against the Padres' bullpen despite the fact that they had opportunities and they had ducks on the pond.
8: There were a couple opportunities, two innings back-to-back, that we had an opportunity situationally to push a run across to tie the game, uh, let alone potentially take the lead, and we couldn't do that. They've been waiting for
7: this for a while, and they've supported us all year. You know, it seems like every game we get between – you know, 35 and 40 thousand people there. You know the drama that that took place during the regular season. I think we had 10, 12 walk-offs or something like that that they were a big part of. You know, they incentivize us. We feel like they're part of us. So to be able to reward them, get home and have some playoff games for them, for them, it feels really nice.
3: Bob Melvin talking about those fans. We are headed your way to Petco Park. As for Clayton Kershaw. He didn't have his curveball that snapped the way that it normally did. And we had six strikeouts and multiple times worked his way out of a jam. Um, but, again, the familiarity and the fact that the, the Padres are not intimidated, it certainly works in their favor.
5: I definitely had some traffic all day. Um, it could have been a lot worse for sure. You know, I think um, – yeah, there's was, there was a lot of traffic all day. I had to make some pitches, had to, you know, pitch out of jams uh, basically every inning. There's a few mistakes in there. They got hit hard, obviously. The, the homer to Manny was a mistake, and um, the two-strike hit that Profar got there was, was a mistake. Um, and then I left the slider up to Soto, too, that he got a hit on. So I definitely made m- some mistakes that they made me pay for.
3: So Clayton Kershaw starts game number two after Julio Urias had the opener uh, moving forward. Now there's a, a travel day. They don't really need to travel, but definitely like the idea of getting a breather before they would play this weekend. Uh, it's really odd, actually, to have the day off in between games one and two of the American League. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, who knows what baseball is doing. I know they're crunched because the season started a week later, and thus the playoffs started a week later. Oh, my gosh, Marco's rolling his eyes right now. But, yeah, I never will understand what it is that they're doing with their playoffs other than they think this is when they can make the most money.
8: Uh, I think it's to not have a day where there's no baseball, but it's an easy fix. Don't have four games start on Tuesday. Why don't you just do two on Tuesday and two on Wednesday? Have one league start one day and one the other. You want them all starting on the same day. The only way to not have a day without baseball is to do this. And for some stupid reason, they think this is a better option to me, just wait another day. It's, yeah, it's dumb.
3: It's, it's odd. I know the idea of starting on Tuesday so you can avoid football. That's what they obviously want to do is they wouldn't start on a Monday. They don't want to start series on a Sunday because you're running into Fine, the but NFL, then Tuesday, but,
8: Wednesday. Yeah, I agree I, with you. I, I, it's, it's, I get, you also take away the idea was supposed to be that whoever won the, the top two seeds get an advantage, right? Well, not if you got a day off the next day, you I can know. reset your rotation. Yeah. <laughs> if you come out of the world, the wild card. Where's right. the advantage? It doesn't make any sense. That's true. Good point. So here's what we have on
3: Friday. Then uh, the the Dodgers are going with Tony Gonsolin, and then Padres will counter with Blake Snell, who of course we saw in what was it Game Two? Uh, that was the game that producer Jay was at at City Field. Uh, so that's the Friday night matchup. Um, yeah, they, now they're going back and forth. It just is. It's just very strange the way they're doing it to have a day out. So the American League's getting a day off between games one and two.
8: And then but they don't not get traveling. A day and then right. they'll get a day off between uh four and five when they would have to travel. Yeah.
3: And then you th- and this is not something that baseball can control or have, have any idea about, but there's a glut of rain right. headed right toward the New York City area. It's supposed to come up the coast. And know some friends in Virginia, they're about to get hit with it. Uh, and so there may not be a game in New York on Thursday evening.
8: Which would make two, don't three. Don't say four- doubleheader. No. Seven no, inning doubleheader. No, oh, oh, no, Baseball's no. Baseball's no, bright no, idea. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> no, but it would make it game two, three, four, and five in a row without any days off because you'd have to push it to Friday. Again, all set up by having a day off in between game one and two and then a day off between games two and three. It doesn't, it's weird. Uh, I don't like it it's an easy fix it's not no, like it's I got you. Oh, we, oh i don't know how do we get it to where there's no we don't want a day without any baseball so how do we figure this out oh well we have a day off just start one one <laughs> series late like what is so hard? which i feel like they've done in the past it's, i don't it's, it's mind-blowing odd. sometimes yeah. where you look at these leagues and you're like can you just sit down for five minutes can we just talk about this and figure it out <laughs> instead of just knee-jerk with stupid reactions just it's it's easy it's easy to fix yes all right
3: so uh, depending upon how it works out, we may or may not have a doubleheader on Thursday. In fact, Atlanta they Atlanta and Philadelphia had to wait through a lengthy rain delay. Uh, didn't affect Kyle Wright. We'll talk about the Braves and the Phillies. The other half of the NL after our update. And top of the hour... <laughs> You heard the call. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks losing their minds at Minute Maid Park when Jordan Alvarez walked off in game one for the Astros. We had to. We actually reached out to both of them. We were so fortunate to be able to uh, get a a reply from Steve, who hasn't been on the show in a while. as a former big league pitcher himself. But I had to get the inside scoop of what was happening in their broadcast booth as they're calling that Jordan walk off. (laughs) Yelling at the top of their lungs so good. Probably your pleasure. (laughs) I love Steve. So top of the hour, we'll we'll look at Astros and Mariners with Steve Sparks.
6: You are listening to the After Hours podcast. ball and two strikes. Wheeler ready to bring it. And the offering on the way. Ground ball right side. That gets through in the right field. Off the glove of Hoskins. Here comes Acuna. one nothing, Atlanta. Wheeler ready. 2-0 pitch. Chopper up the third baseline. Going to be a tough play. Wheeler's got it. Has no play. Dansby scores. 2 nothing Braves. Make contact and something might happen. And that's exactly what happened for Austin Riley. Here it comes. And he rocks it at the middle. Base hit. past to Diving Stott. Here comes Matt Olson; He'll score. RBI base hit Travis Darno. 3-0 Braves. How about this two-out approach by Atlanta here in the sixth inning? This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
3: Ben Ingram on Braves Radio. We're talking about... Four months from now, having a new Super Bowl champion, well, the Braves are still the toughest out in baseball, the defending World Series champions, and they were feeling a little bit of a sense of urgency after dropping the opener to the NL East rival Phillies. Back at it, though delayed by rain until... About 7.30 Atlanta time. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. It was still scoreless until the sixth inning. And all three runs for the Braves come with two outs. That's huge. And I love the fact that it was very atypical of the Atlanta lineup. They hit the snot out of the ball. The Braves hit a ton of home runs. We're talking Dodgers-like, Yankees-like. They're not big into small ball. That's not the, how they operate. But first, and this was a scary moment actually, Ronald Acuna gets on base with a hit-by-pitch. Thankfully, uh, I think there were scans or tests that were done. No structural damage, but he, you'd think he's going to be sore in his left ribs uh, come tomorrow. So Acuna gets hit by a pitch to start the rally, quote-unquote. Then Dansby Swanson draws a walk. And then after that, it's three singles in a row, including a ball by Matt Olson that Reese Hoskins was unable to field cleanly. And so that was the rally. That was the power boost by the Atlanta Braves. And yet, that's what they needed because their pitching and their defense was so dang good on Wednesday.
6: 0-2 oh, Terrell Muto. Popped up. Shallow left, Dansby out, Eddie in, and Dansby dives and makes a tremendous catch over the shoulder. Spectacular play by Dansby. How in the world did he do that? I don't know. He comes up all smiles, and somehow he squeezes out number three out in medium depth left center field. Amazing play. Pitch on the way. Hopped up down the left field line towards foul territory. Riley back against the tarp. Holy smokes! Wow! What a catch! Austin Riley with a catch of his life. No way! No way he caught that. That is incredible. Over his shoulder onto the tarp, snow coning it, and then sliding down the front of the tarp.
4: That Dansby's catch, which was unbelievable and Austin's too on the tarp was I said they could be showing both of those for the next year um, they're just unbelievable plays
3: love to hear the fans behind the Braves radio call uh, and the two catches if you haven't seen them in fact producer Jay if you wouldn't mind finding them uh, on our show Twitter, After our CBS, because you need to see these. Or, right now, FS1 is replaying Phillies and Braves. They're in the bottom of the third. Still no runs across the plate. <laughs> there were only three, as I say, because the Braves were flashing the leather, but they also had Kyle Wright on the mound. He only allowed two hits over six innings. He struck out six and was unfazed by the rain delay. Well, it's kind of fun to hear what these guys do when they can't get out there on the field.
5: I like to keep it pretty loose anyways. So um, for me, I just kind of checked out a little bit and enjoyed the time with the teammates, you know, uh, watched some TV, played on my phone a little bit. So just trying to keep it light and loose. Um, you know, uh, once it was time for me to, once I had enough time, or I knew roughly when we were going to start, then I was able to uh, get back into my normal pregame routine. But I think for me, it was just about keeping it keeping it chill and
4: uh, hanging out with the guys. Whether the rain delay you know just how he went about I and mean, that was huge for us. I mean, we needed to kind of get to our back end guys and and um you know, he did that was pretty impressive what he did tonight. He's going to keep getting better too. As he's out there and figures things out, he you know, he's going to continue to develop and grow and gain confidence and with that arsenal that he's got, I mean, he he can be a force for a long time.
5: It really just goes back to the confidence. Um, I feel like I had the confidence to to, to pitch at this stage. Um, you know, they're a really good lineup, and I, and I knew that. But I knew that if I executed, then I was going to give myself a chance, and I really believe that. And, you know, again, we, I, I, I go back to Travis, too. Travis called a great game. I have a lot of confidence in him, which allows me just to be free um, and just pitch. Um, so that, I give him a lot of credit as well. But, yeah, it's it's crazy what a confidence can do for you.
3: Agreed. Confidence is the key when things are not going your way. Confidence is the reminder that you've been there, done that. This is nothing new. Confidence carries you even when all hell may be breaking loose or plans don't work out the way you thought they might, which is pretty much life. Uh, So I love that from Kyle Wright. And what a gem for him. Exactly what the Braves needed. They... Certainly can win on the road, especially in a place like Philly where they're familiar, but they didn't want to fall into an 0-2 hole. That's essentially a death trap if you're talking about a five-game series. So Wright then gave way to the bullpen. It was Kenley Jansen uh, who got the save his first of this postseason for the Atlanta Braves but has a ton of experience, of course, from his days with the Dodgers. Uh, as for Reese Hoskins and that misplay at first base, it was credited a single to Matt Olson, uh, obviously kept the the rally. Uh, rally. They hadn't scored any runs at that point, um, but they had the two runners on, the hit-by-pitch and the walk. And so he's kind of beaten himself up a little bit because he feels like that could have been the end of the inning.
5: It's a play that um, I've made before, I'll make again. Um, just didn't make it tonight.
7: I think if you asked Reese, he'd, he'd say he should make that play. I don't know whether he had, didn't get a good read off the bat, or, um, but you know it's probably a play that you should try in front. Keep it in front of you if you can. I don't know whether he had time to do that.
6: Uh, take full responsibility for that. Like I said, if I execute that pitch, I think he's swinging over it, and um, you know it's, that's on me. Is not on him at all? And uh, that's when he execute.
3: So Zach Wheeler, not upset, says that play is not Reese's fault. In fact, it was me. I didn't execute the pitch the way I wanted, which meant Matt Olson got a different part of the bat on the ball. Man, it's, it's so technical, and it's such a minute detail, but that's what we're talking about at the highest level with – with hitters and with pitchers, of course, because depending upon which way it's spinning or where it's located, uh, obviously, a lot of these hitters are guessing most of the time what they're going to see. Uh, you don't have a whole lot of time to to think about it, to process. It's, it's very reactionary. Uh, but to, to hear that from Zach, that's not on Reese. I didn't put the pitch where I wanted to. So Olsen was able to get a different swing on it than what was intended. Okay, nerdy stuff, and I totally love it. I dig it. (laughs) So for Zach, he allows those three runs on the four hits and a walk in his six innings pitched, and we've got ourselves a pair of tie series in the National League. Do we have time to hear from Dansby Swanson? Because Jay and I both love this. This is him talking about that catch that he made out in in the shallow outfield, and it was three guys converging, and he's the one that ended up diving for it.
9: I was trying to throw a flag on myself because I feel like I made it look way harder than it needed to be. Um, I was running out there, and I felt like maybe it was because it was a breaking ball, but it kind of, like, kept spinning away from me. And I slowed down just enough to check uh, Rosario to see uh, where he was so that we didn't, you know, have a collision. And once he just kind of looked at me like, hey, brother, it's yours or nobody's, uh, <laughs> I just went for it. It's uh, all you. In practice. Uh should get my parents in here because they threw me a cajillion balls just like that like all the time growing up over my head and i was like the epitome of the kid that would throw a tennis ball off a wall and ricochet it and you know run and try and catch it over my shoulder um probably throw a lot of tennis balls onto the field too to disrupt my brother's baseball games but uh, i feel like i've been doing that since i was you know five years old
3: such a likable guy, Densby. And really, the Braves have many of them. Uh, but to hear him talk about it and, and think about those days when he was a kid just playing with a tennis ball and the number of times maybe he envisioned that moment in a postseason game and wowzers, and he flashed the leather uh, when everybody else said, hey, man, that's you, just, that's all you. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio.